Hey, welcome to the Spring Hills podcast feed. Today, we've got a sermon replay for you. We now put our sermons on the podcast feed, so you can have easy access to it. Uh, you can go to the Spring Hills app under media, and you can find the podcast feed there, uh, so you can listen to the sermons easily while you're driving to work. You can listen to them on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find your podcast. We we have our feed up. So uh, the sermons are now available to you on the podcast feed. And then, of course, we talk a lot about the sermons throughout our episodes. So those are always good to, to catch up on. If you missed last weekend at church, you can listen to Pastor Brett's sermon here on the feed and then listen to the following episode of the Spring Hills podcast. So check out this message from this past weekend. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? I'm Brett. Good to see you. Pastor here. This is Super Bowl Sunday, and we're talking about relationships today. Relationships matter. And I know most of you are here today because <laughs> you want to hear my pick for the Super Bowl game, right? I mean, that must, this is what happens every year. Don't feel bad. Everybody comes in, here's my pick, and then they go bet opposite of my pick, and it works out great. All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, good game today. Hope you have the chance to uh, watch it and enjoy some good Super Bowl-type snacks. But uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs are going to go at it today. And both, apparently both of these guys, uh, I've heard their testimony. It's like both of them believe in the Lord. You know, it's like they're trusting God for the game and all of that. And I thought, well, all these people praying for both of these guys. I mean, what's God to do with all of that? You know, it's like the mystery of it all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm going to give you my pick in just a minute. But let me, let me tell you what goes into it when I go to make my pick, you know. I usually go back three years, uh, both teams, statistics and all that. I go back three years, put it on a spreadsheet, kind of work it out, consider injuries and players and all that stuff. <laughs> takes a long time. I shouldn't spend as much time as I do on this. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so this year, after all that calculation, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to give you my pick for the Super Bowl now. And this is what I'm looking at today. Who agrees with me? The Kansas City Chiefs are going to win it by a touchdown. Okay? There you go. Now you do with that valuable golden information as you as you see fit. All right, now the other reason that people come on Super Bowl Sunday is because they want to see if I still got it. Okay, and uh, so <laughs> you can t I usually like to go deep, just to be honest with you. It's my only chance during the year. All right, so uh, take this to the coffee kiosk and get whatever you want, all right? Just tell them I caught the football. Who wants it today, huh? <laughs> The play, the play's going this way, all right? Uh, oh. All right, now we go to the middle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the only thing I can do, I can hit you in the hands. The rest is up to you, okay? Huh? Oh, nice catch, all right. 
Two for two. All right, let's go over here. That's way deep in the back, but I kind of, I'm, I'm tempted to go deep. Patrick Mahomes today, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that was terrible. Okay. That was rough. Got an, I got an ankle sprain. It's affecting my... All right. Well, enough of this frivolity. We need to get serious today, all right? <laughs> so, uh, what relationship series would be worth anything if we didn't talk about 1 Corinthians 13, which is the famous, it's the love chapter, right? It's a love chapter in the Bible. Many of you have heard this chapter, and maybe you didn't realize it, but you heard it at a wedding, all right? A wedding. Uh, maybe you saw it on a wedding invitation, all right? Like, this is to Elizabeth and Timothy's wedding, everybody. Don't miss it, because in the background, you can't quite see it there, uh, love is patient, you know, love is kind, love never fails. It's a quotation of 1 Corinthians 13 about love, come to the wedding, okay? And the pastor, whoever is doing the wedding, will probably talk on 1 Corinthians 13, or maybe you've seen it decoupage in somebody's house on the wall, all right? They've never read it, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And the calligraphy or whatever that font is there. Love is patient. Goes through all the descriptions of love. Or this one, hanging in someone's restroom perhaps. Uh, goes through all uh, that. All right, so uh, wedding invitations, decoupage. But let me tell you, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, but it was written to a church. It was written to a church. It wasn't written so that pastors would have something to talk about at weddings. <laughs> you know, like the Apostle Paul, let me help you out here. Uh, you know, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't for, it wasn't for counseling a couple uh, to, who are getting married. It was written to a church. And the Corinthian church uh, was a church that really needed to hear about love because they were divided. They were a divided church. They were divided along personality lines. Uh, some liked Apollo, some liked Peter, some liked Paul. They were, some were super spiritual. We follow Christ. They, were all the, they had their groups. Uh, they um, were divided about you know, who was greatest, who had the most gifting. They had some amazing gifted speakers. Paul says in the first chapter, you're enriched with all spiritual gifts. God's blessed you. And so some people were more popular, more important in the church because of their gifts, their talents. So they, they've got it, they got it all wrong, all right? They got it all mixed up here. And 1 Corinthians 13 then is written to sort it all out. Uh, and it's, it's a great chapter for us to think about what's most important. Now here's, here's the outline of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 is 13 verses. The first three deals with the preeminence of love. In other words, love is the most important thing. Love is supreme. It's supreme. Over every other thing you could think of. In the middle section, we have the perfections of love, probably what you've heard in weddings, where love is described. Okay, the, the whole perfections and uh, description of love. And then finally, in verses 8 to 13, you have the permanence of love. That love never fails. It goes on into eternity. So the preeminence of it, then what is it, and then the permanence of it. So we're going to go through each one of these sections and um, learn about how to make relationships better. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this new day. 
And we thank you for your love for us. You're so faithful. You're so good. You've always been that way. From our first breath to our lying down at night, you're good. Oh, so good. So faithful. We love you. And God, I pray that you'd help us uh, by your strength and presence in our life to love as you love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go through this. All right, first of all, he says, in terms of preeminence, in verse 1 of the chapter, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, speaking in the tongues of men and notice angels. Angels. Everybody loves good speakers. I mean, right? Turn on a TED Talk. Some of the best communication in the world. TED Talk. Wow, what a great, what a great speaker. It has a tongue of an angel. It has abilities like to really, really communicate. And the Apostle Paul says, if you talk about love, but you don't love, you're just noise, man. You're, lo- you're, you're clanging cymbals. You're a drummer with terrible cymbals. <laughs> And you're noisy. You're just making noise. You're talking and you're speaking and you're, you, got, you got it all. But you're just making noise. So you have to understand in this whole chapter, we're talking about uh, the way God sees things. The world loves good speakers. But God's like, you know, no love there. What does it matter? Uh, he says now, and you can have gifts, but uh, what is that? And if I have prophetic powers, foretell the future... Proclaim the truth, prophetic, and understand, look at this, all mysteries and all have all knowledge. And I have enough faith, I have all faith, I can tell mountains, as Jesus said, yeah, the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move from one place to another, and it'll do it. If I have all this stuff, brilliant, knowledgeable, gifted, powerful, but I don't have love in my life, I am, I'm just a jerk who snows a lot, that's all I am, (laughs) I'm an idiot, God doesn't measure our life based on how gifted you are, what matters is, do you build up other people, do you see other people, do you care about other people, do you love them? You know, what's the greatest commandment? Love God and love others. Love the Lord with your whole heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. Love the Lord, Jesus said. That's the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. To the church at Corinth, hey, everybody, you guys gotten messed up. You think it's really good speakers are impressive and gifted people are impressive. And successful people are impressive. And he's like, you're missing it. What matters is love to God. What matters in the community is love for each other. That's it. We don't care how much you know or how much faith you have. If you don't have love, then you just, you know, it profiteth nothing. Now, we've got to get the same value in our own heart. We've got to see this. We have to see the preeminence of love over speakers and giftedness and everything else. He even says you could be so philanthropic that you give away everything you have. Wow, impressive. I give it all away. Name a building after you. I mean, you know, 
When you're dead and buried, they'll remember you. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? They'll remember you? You're dead and buried? Anyways. Deliver up my body to be burned, big sacrifice. But have love, you gain nothing. So, the preeminence of love. And the churches that the Apostle Paul wrote letters to, of which Corinthians is one, they were always commended for their love. Like he starts out his letter, you know, greetings from the apostle, etc. And he commends them, and he always commends them for the amount of love in the church. What, what, is the, what is the measure of our church or any church? It's the amount of love here, which takes mature people who understand how to be other-centered, etc. But the, amount, the evaluation of us personally uh, is not what we have or don't have or our abilities or lack of. It's not that. Our... The measure of our maturity, the evaluation, is the amount of love in our lives. You say, well, what is it? What? Give me a description then. Okay, verses 4 to 7. Here he goes. Let's talk about it. If it's preeminent, what is it? Here it is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. That's the first verse of it. Now let's just pause here for a minute. Uh, love is patient. Huh? Love is patient. Don't you, don't you love the fact that God is patient with you? Don't you love the fact that God is long-suffering and slow to anger? Aren't you grateful that God in His mercy is just that way with us? And He is. He's patient with us. He's patient with us. And one of the ways we express love is to be patient with another person's progress in the faith or ability to do things or maturity in life. You know, children love it when parents are patient with them. They have childish emotions. They're still learning. Parents that are patient, the child feels what? They feel loved, right? Feel loved. My, uh, my wife, Eve, is just really patient. She married, you always marry the opposite, you know. <laughs> Why am I laughing? It should be. This is serious stuff we're talking about. But she's so, she's so patient. And when the grandkids come over, first thing that happens, you know, Parker, who's seven, Aubrey, who's three, they come running up to us. You know, Bubba, Grandma, and all that. Then the first thing they say, can we play with Grandma? <laughs> See, I'm serious. I'm like over there going, What's, what just happened? <laughs> can we play with Grandma? You know, and I, of course, I, I, I count that. I just cherish that. Why is that? Because Grandma makes cookies with Aubrey, who's three. You know, have you ever made cookies with somebody who's three years old? Some of you are so patient, man. It's like, I'm like, there's flour everywhere. There's food everywhere. The kitchen's a mess, you know? Um, Aubrey, she doesn't know what she's doing, but Eve's like helping her, you know, like taking her hand and pouring it in there and taking her hand and... And I'm like, come on, well, let's, let's eat them. All right, so anyway. <laughs> There's two kinds of patience. You can have patience with circumstances, all right? You have patience with circumstances or patience with people. Person, patience with circumstances is when, you know, a drawer is stuck and you can't get it in. It's like a drawer, you know, just circumstance. And then there's patience with people. This word here in the original language is patience with people. Now, it's kind, all right? Love is kind. Uh, I don't know what you think of when you think about 
kindness, but it is, it's more than politeness. We might think immediately, kindness, love says thank you and please. Well, that's good. Um, but you can be polite and not have kindness because kindness is serving people. It's, it's not just, you can be patient with them and not go to the next one, which is serving them. And compassion in action would be a good way to see it. Uh, Jesus, the night he was betrayed, in the upper room, when they had the Last Supper, the very night he was betrayed, uh, he, he washed the disciples' feet. In Palestine, you walk around, you got sandals on, your feet get dirty. So you show up at somebody's house, and, and uh, one thing you can do for them is wash their feet off. Just clean them up, you know, and anoint them, anoint their hair or something. But he, they showed up at the Last Supper, and none of the disciples washed anybody's feet. They just like, you know, we don't want to do that. So Jesus, in the middle of the supper, took a towel and put it around and began to wash all their feet, including Judas's feet. Came to Peter, and of course, Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And there's a beautiful picture of how Jesus washes us. But then at the end, he says, you call me Lord, and so I am. You call me Lord and Master, that's what I am. And so do as I've done unto you. Wash one another's feet. Jesus said, the greatest among you is the one who serves, serves. Not to be served, but to serve. To use your position as an opportunity to bless and serve others and encourage others and build them up. See, we're always about building others up. We're always thinking about other people. Love is kind. There's not enough kindness in our world. There's not enough patience in our world. You stand out when you're like this, no doubt. This is the love that Christ has for us. He serves. He came to serve. Love doesn't, it doesn't envy or boast. And you know, when you envy people... Uh, it hurts relationships. Envy is built on competition. We're not in competition. It's not who's best here. You know, it's just not about that. We don't envy. You know, we, we rejoice with those who rejoice, the scripture says. We rejoice with you. We just, we weep with those who weep. There's a, there's a unity among us. We associate with the lowly. Everybody. Everybody. We're all one in the spirit. So there isn't the envy and the jealousy and the competition or the boasting. When you boast, other people feel small. That's always the way it goes. Somebody boasts about something, and then the person listening just feels, yeah, you feel small. That's not love to make people feel small. If you're going to boast about something, boast in the Lord, the Scripture says. Or let other people boast about you. But don't boast about yourself. And then you boast in the Lord's goodness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, what do you have that you didn't receive? And uh, if you did receive it, why do you boast and brag as if you hadn't? You know, you, you have opportunities. Somebody says, well, I've worked hard, man. I've worked hard. I've worked hard to get where I am in life. I've worked hard. Okay, well, that's good. God's given you great abilities of skills and talents and, you know, and opportunities. God's given that to you. And um, you're to be a good steward of it, but don't brag as if you hadn't received. I mean, he's given it, right? Everything, every good gift comes down from God. We don't boast or brag. And then we're not arrogant or prideful. Prideful, intellectual pride, spiritual pride, collective pride. You know, our group over against their group, collective pride. That was happening in Corinth. We follow Paul. We follow Apollos. We follow Peter. We follow Christ. They had their groups we know more than you, we're more spiritual than you. All that sort of arrogance is not love. The literal word for arrogance in the Greek language means to inflate. You know, 
We talk about a big head, you know, inflated like a balloon, man. They got the rising up. Don't be puffed up with yourself, self-conceit, blowing hot air around about you. It's not about you. Never, it's not. It's about the glory of God. It's about loving one another. It's about putting, you know, the other person, building the other person up. It's the way, that's what love does. So not arrogant. You'll notice right away, obviously, that uh, these, these things are active, all right? These are active things. This is, a, this is active, all right? It's not passive. Love in Scripture is active, not passive. It is a verb. It is something you do. Why do I say that? Well, because what is love in our culture? Love in our culture is passive. Love is something that happens to you. Yeah, the poor boy comes home and says, I don't know how, but I mean, I fell in love tonight. I just fell in love. You know, I just swept off my feet, man. I don't know what to do. I'm in love with her, you know. It's like, dude, dude, get a hold of yourself. Yeah, it's like it just happened. I had nothing. I can't. Th- I know what to do. I don't know. We're gonna get married next week. Oh, okay. Can we think about this? <laughs> that's in America. That's all we know. We just know passive, emotional love. Does that? I mean, being patient with people and all this is that like is that a good feeling right there? You know, that takes that takes maturity. That takes spiritual maturity. And so it's, it's not emotional, it's volitional. It's not something that happens to you, it's something you do. So that's why when people say, I fell out of love, I'll say, okay, well now you can start loving her, you know? I mean, seriously. I fell out of love. Okay, that's okay. Now you can start loving her. Do that. Um, that's crazy how we how we can be in our culture. Uh, love is not rude. It's not rude. It doesn't embarrass people. It doesn't uh, cause other people to blush. Don't make jokes. Be sensitive. You know, it's just being sensitive to people. When you come into a room, get off your phone. Look up. Greet people. The scripture even commands us, greet one another. Greet one another. Say hi to each other. <laughs> you know, our culture, it's like, you know, we got a good Instagram thing I'm looking at right here. You know, it's just like, put it down. Okay, don't be rude. Don't cause another person to blush is what uh, one commentator says. Never, never, never do that. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. These are things that we, we have to uh, exhibit as God works in our life. These are not things that we can pull off in our own human nature. Nobody does this. We can't pull this off in, in our own human nature. We're bent inwards in our human nature, our fallen nature that we inherited by a- uh, Adam. We're bent inwards. Inward. Protect me, you know. Make sure I, don't, I get mine. Make sure I'm, I'm secure. Make sure everything's going all right for me. Then once maybe I get all mine and I'll give you a little bit. I keep, it's all inward. When you come to know Jesus Christ and you have a new nature in him, you know him. He's changed you. You're born again. You have a new nature. It's going outward. Because you're trusting God to take care of you. So now you're not so bent on taking care of yourself. You're going outward. You don't have to insist on being right. You know, you can see in a church where this, this happens. 
Um, people don't like a certain thing about the church. All right. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't like some things about our church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't like everything about our church. Okay. I mean, really, seriously. Uh, but you go to church, you don't like certain things. And it, it, you, it, you disagree with it. Okay? So what are you going to do with that? Well, I'm going to insist that they do it my way. Or, the, or I'll, um, um, I don't know, I'll cause division or something. <laughs> I'll get some people to agree with me. We'll form a group. I mean, I, what should we do? That was actually happening at the church at Corinth. And, and it's like, love, love, listen. Just, there's so much stuff we've got to let go all the time. Am I right? You, you don't get your way every day. You just don't. It's okay. It's okay. God knows. For the sake of love. You know what they were doing in Corinth? You can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the sixth chapter of this letter. They were suing each other. That, that just blows my mind. You know, like, I, I, lent, I lent you $3,000. You didn't pay me, brother, sister in Christ. You didn't pay me, so... You need to pay me. I can't pay you, man. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Okay, that's fine. You'll hear from my attorney. That's beautiful Christian fellowship, isn't it? You'll hear from my attorney. You're, you're brothers and sisters. You know, in chapter 6, he says, this shouldn't be, the, this shouldn't be happening right now. But why not let it go? I mean, why not suffer a little loss? Just be, be you know, don't get your 3000 bucks. For the sake of Christ, don't insist it's okay. I mean, he says what you're doing is, you Christians, you're going to pagan judges and arguing your case as Christians in front of a pagan judge. Can't you settle these matters yourself in the church? I mean, can't you work it out? Pray, do something, work it out. Instead, you know, you, you make a mockery of the Christian life. Listen, love doesn't insist. Now, there are certain things that are obviously very, very important that are in the church. I mean, like, do we believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son who was made flesh? Do we believe that He, along with the Father and Spirit, have always existed and He's creator of heavens and the earth and became human? Well, yes. If somebody doesn't believe that, then that's a, you know, that's a pretty, probably not the right church, right? But there's, a, there's other doctrines that are really important, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and the scriptures being the inspired word of God. There's certain things we, we hang to, and if a church doesn't agree with those things which are so important, then we probably need to go. But otherwise, let's work it out, okay? It's not irritable. It's not irritable or resentful. Easily angered, irritable. I can be irritable. I hate that. I'm seeing that this week, uh, irritable. Dang, always working on these things. Thank you, God, that we're accepted in Jesus Christ, not by the level of love we have. How many of you are, were irritable this week? Okay. <laughs> How many were not? Okay, well, anyway, irritable. You know, you know why you get irritable? Because you're not getting your way, that's why. Okay, think about that. Or resentful. Now, I want to I give you a little Greek here. This is the Greek word, logizomai. Interesting word. It has the word logic in it. It means to calculate or count. 
uh, to record. It's, a, it's, a, it's an accounting term to logizomai. So literally what he's saying is that love does not put things in the record. Love does not write things down. Okay, and usually why do we write things down? Well, we write things down so that we can remember. It's like an accountant who records a debt, tallies a debt, in order to collect. So you hurt me. Yeah, you hurt me. You sure did. You hurt me. What you said and you promised and, you know, you just, like, you weren't there for me and all that. Uh, I know what I'll do with that. I'll just write it down over here. Somebody else, you hurt me. You may not have even known you did, but I'll, I'll write it down. I'll write it down. Keep writing it down. And, oh, I see that we have a huge debt here. So I think I'll turn a little cold shoulder you, brother. You know, I'll just have an attitude. You want to get together? I'll be really late. Really late. I'll do the <laughs> passive aggressive stuff. I'll do the aggressive stuff. Because I see here that you, there, you owe me a lot. And we have to get even. <laughs> Does God keep a record of wrongs? It's the blessed thing of the gospel is that God keeps no record of wrongs. He blots them out. They will not be brought up at the judgment. They, nothing's going to be brought up. You're saying, whew. Huh? He separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west, which is an eternal distance. I mean, he... Buries them in the remotest part of the sea. So listen, God blots it out. You and I have got to blot it out. I mean, this happens all the time, everybody. Resentments uh, grow over time, and uh, people don't deal with it, and so here comes the conflict. It might be two years later, but here comes the conflict. Uh, because you never forgave, you never blotted it out, you never processed it and did all the things we need to do to forgive. And so it comes out. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. We're to pray this way. Forgive us our debts. And we got debts to God. We've broken his law. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Jesus makes a really big statement after the Lord's Prayer. He says, if you don't forgive the debts of others, your Heavenly Father will not forgive your debts. Like, whoa. Blot it out. Blot it out. Tear it up. Write it down if you have to. Some of you got some, a pretty intense list of stuff. Just confess it to God. Leave it with Him. It's not irritable or resentful. keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth, all right? And in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the church was, was in fact rejoicing with some stuff that they shouldn't have been rejoicing, some evil stuff. And we don't rejoice with calamity of somebody. You know, sometimes you get, a, you get irritable and resentful and then something bad happens to them and you're like, ah, you know? And it just goes down that road like, oh, they get what they deserve. And, oh, good, 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 failure, you know. Uh, the life's not working out good. Ha, ha, their kids are a mess. Ha! You know, shouldn't know. So we don't rejoice in wrongdoing, but we rejoice in the truth. Why? Because we love them. We love you. We love you. We don't want, no, no, no. 
Listen, people mess up their lives. God doesn't want that. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God takes no pleasure in that. We're not to take any pleasure in that. Not let our hearts go there. Because we've received grace and mercy from him, and we're to extend it. And that's what love is and what love does. We never rejoice in wrongdoing. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. I like this verse. Love bears all things. Actually, in the Greek language, the all things is placed in the beginning of the sentence for emphasis. So literally in the Greek, it says, all things love bears. All things love believes. All things love hopes. All things. Love endures. We're like, I can bear some things. (laughs) I can bear some things. But this person's driving me up a wall. And I think I'm going to lose my mind if I spend more time with them. So if you're having a hard time bearing with them, then believe. You see the progression here? It's, It's a great progression, all right? So you believe, say, God, you can do something with them. I know I can't, but you can. Oh, God, I believe all things. Some of you say, man, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, can't, I can't even do that. So then what should you do? Hope. <laughs> Hope. I'm having a hard time believing, God, that you can change this situation of those people. I'm having a time bearing. Hope. I can't even do that, man. I'm confessing. I'm being honest. Okay, then what? Endure it. <laughs> you see, I can't. I can't do it. I tried. I tried. Okay, listen. All right, that's true. All right, you can't do this. You can't do this. You know why? Because this is this is a description of God's love, really for us. It, it really is. Um, unless you know God personally, you can't love this way. Unless you know God's love personally. I don't mean intellectual. I mean personally. Unless you know his love personally, you can't, it, nothing's going to come out. You can't give what you don't possess. Does that make sense? You, don't, you can't give what you don't possess. You have to possess this. Then you can give it. It's like I can forgive you because I've been forgiven. And, and I can be patient with you because I know God's so patient with me. See, it's all, it's all that way. And so really... To love like this, you have to know Jesus. You have to know him, not about him. You have to know him. And this is God's love for us, that he is patient with us and he serves us. I know God doesn't keep a record of our wrongs, does he? He's so good. God bears with us. and God's working in us. He's enduring us. Until he comes, nothing. I'll never leave you or forsake you, This Jesus says, promises to us believers, you never leave us or forsake us. And I'm like, God, I, I know I can give you a million reasons why you would leave. And he's like, I'm not. And nothing, the scripture says, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you. Angels, powers, things present, things to come. Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of Christ. This is the love of God for you. you he's got you. You're not getting outside of his love. And so, God, by your mercy, help me to just keep working on this. 
That's what I'm challenging you to do today. I know we don't all measure up to this stuff. I know. But, he, but we want to move in this direction. Why? Because giftedness and intelligence and being a good speaker and being a success in life and impressing people in this world mean very little. Not even little. It means nothing to God. Nothing. This means something to him. This is with the measure of maturity in our life. And I think the basis of the judgment of our life, ultimately, when Christ comes. Now the final section, the permanence of love. Love never ends. You know, all the other stuff ends. Love doesn't. Love is eternal. Love keeps going. It's like, wow, okay. As for prophecies and impressive prophets, they'll pass away. As for tongues and all the discussion and debate around that stuff, it's, it's going to cease. It's going to be over. Knowledge, it's going to pass away. No longer impressed by all that. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, that's the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he comes, the partial will pass away. This world's passing away. Everything in this world's passing away. Everything that we think is so important is passing away. And when the perfect comes, there's a new age. There's an eternal state in which Christ is Lord on his throne. And there's no more tears or pain. Death. Corruption is gone. God makes everything new. And when that happens, all the stuff we think is so important now is, passes away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish things, childish ways. We need to grow up. We need to mature people know what's important. Mature people have values that have an eternal perspective. Mature people know that the greatest impact they can have on another people, another person is their love for them. You know, I've done a lot of funerals in my time, memorial services, you know. And I've never yet heard a guy get up and say, you know what I really liked about him? Guy had the nicest car I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, he was he just, this guy was just so much money. It was just, it was so cool to just be around him with all that money. I never hear that. And I never will hear that. What do I hear? He took time with me. And I was amazing. He took time with me. And he invested in me. And a lot of people don't know. But he sacrificed a lot of what he does to help me succeed. And I mean, I never felt more valued or loved. And, and I just want to say that person made a difference to me. See? This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying to us. And we need to get this value in our head. Now we see in a mirror dimly. Everything's, you know, right now we don't understand all. But then... When the perfect one comes face to face, ooh. Now I know in part, then I know and shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. They're still going. These three, but the greatest of these is love. That's it. Greatest is love. Now some of you, I want to make this little comment here. Some of you don't know how to love people the right way uh, without offending anybody because I think we all have a little bit of this but uh, some of you are very codependent with people and we're probably all codependent in a certain level what do I mean by that we don't we <laughs> spam risks 
I so, I so want to, I just want you to hear this sermon right now. Sorry, I didn't, should have put my snooze on, but anyways. We don't know how to love people, am I, am I right? Sometimes you got like, you know, he wants to come back in the house, and he's still drinking, and, but he's, he's out in the street, and I don't want him to be out in the street, and yeah, and he needs money, and I gave him money four times already, and he needs more money, and so how am I going to help him, and he needs it, he's, he's crying out to me, and I, I know we're going to see the same thing, same thing, All right, somebody's a, a abusive person, and you don't draw boundaries, you just keep tolerating it, and some of us who are really, maybe struggle with this whole codependency, see this passage and go, see, see, I'm right, I'm right, be patient, because you don't like conflict, um, but look at this verse, in Philippians 1, 9, and 10. This will help you, I think. It's my prayer to the Philippian church that your love may abound more and more. We want that. Notice, with knowledge. Isn't this good? More and more love, yes, but with, with knowledge and all discernment. In other words, you sometimes don't know how to love them. Am I right? Sometimes the most loving thing to do is not, don't enable them. Maybe it's not, it's not to give it to them. I don't know. Prodigal son story and stuff. The point is, we all need wisdom with love. Am I right? We do. And God gives it. Now, what's the result of that? Look at this. So that, once you have the knowledge and discernment, you may approve what is the right thing to do. God, I want to pray that God gives us knowledge and discernment and our love. That our love increases but also our wisdom in loving other people. Let's pray together. And as we're in prayer, maybe that's you. I want you to maybe think of some hard-to-love people in your life. Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> but as you think about them, just say, Lord, help me to move in the direction of loving them the way you do. I know I don't, I'm not there yet. I confess. I'm not there. There's some people that I just don't like them at all. But you so loved the world, you gave your son for us, oh God. And while we were enemies, Christ died for us. Not when we were doing everything right, while we were enemies. And so God, we pray for our enemies even. That they might come to know you and be saved. And Lord, work in us your love. And listen, if you're here today and you are yet to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, that's the first step. You want to know how to love people, you need to experience God's love for you, and He loves you. Jesus died for your sins. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. I want to know and experience the great love you have for me. Jesus died for me. I, I receive it all. And God, may our church abound in love more and more with all knowledge and all discernment so we might approve the things that are excellent. We pray in your name. Amen.